Welcome to Happy Habits with Celine and welcome to a beautiful and heartfelt interview that I get to share with you today. Join me to travel with and into the life of Hannah who has had a big impact on my life and whose wisdom I love to hear and feel inspired by. Together with her husband Jack, Hannah is leading yoga teacher trainings all around the world at the moment of course mainly online and in this beautiful interview she is sharing with us the power of presence and how loss can help you and empower you to be more present and how it can empower you to really see the privilege we have to be here. She's also sharing with us what coping mechanisms are and how we can step more into vulnerability and take off things or unlearn sides of us that maybe are not us. Her story of loss is very tragic and yet what it empowered her to do that she learned to really hold space for herself and also hold space for others is such a beautiful story to hear. So I really hope that you can take as much as I have out of this conversation and I wish you a beautiful time. Maybe to just have a little introduction to you, Hannah, who is Hannah? Um, If you would have to give like a little snapshot of you. Well, hi. Um, I that that's a really broad question. I don't know where to begin. Um, I am a mother, a widow, a yoga business owner. Um, I don't know. I see myself as uh, so many things, like mm-hmm. a m- multitude of things. So um, we need to narrow that down as we go. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. that's already a great introduction. Um, and take us to where are you in the world at the moment? I live in Canada right now since three years, um, north of Toronto in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And throughout your life, you have lived in different locations. So where are you originally from and what? where has the world uh, brought you? Yeah, I'm from Finland. I was born in Finland. Both my parents are 100% Finns. And uh, when I was three, we moved to Stockholm, where I lived for a couple of years. And then my school years I spent in Finland. Um, And then when I was done with high school, I lived a year in France and one year in Liechtenstein. And then I moved to Milan, Italy, where I lived for nine years. Um, And I had a Swiss boyfriend, so I feel like I was kind of in and out Switzerland a lot, spent all my summers in Switzerland Mm. in those years. And then I met my husband in Milan, who was Norwegian. And so we got married, had our babies in Milan. And when the babies were like three or four and one, we moved to Norway, where my husband was from. So then I lived in Norway for seven years (laughs) and then I moved back to Finland for five years and now here in Canada for three years, which means all together makes 40, 45 years of living somewhere. Beautiful. That's so many interesting experiences, um, Mm -hmm. I guess. Thank you for taking us there. And 
If you look at your life at the moment, uh, we are in very special times. Um, where are you in life at the moment? How are you feeling about this situation? Um, what is going on inside Hannah at the moment? Well, I feel really blessed. I live in Canada and here we really, like compared to your, like I'm learning a lot. I'm European, I feel like. I didn't know what that was before I lived in North America. Like, even just the term Europe to me sounds like a little bit silly. I'm like, what? Like, that's like, that could be 20 different countries or more. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You know? But now I kind of get it that North Americans have a different, it's a different land with, and that has consequences. Like, when we live, in any country, you, you know, that's the beauty of it. You, you get influenced by the surroundings, the seasons, the habits and the culture that has been like boiling in that country for hmm. so long. So I'm really, I feel really grateful to have all these different perspectives from different countries in Europe and now here. Um, and it's, it's really beautiful to be here like I'm falling in love with Canada because when Jack first said that we should move here I was like what why like what would we do in Canada like I'm an adventurer like I would have been like all in for India or Thailand or some crazy country and I'm like what would we do in Canada and right now I I I live the beauty of Canada the country the nature the freedom you know everybody who's here most of us maybe unfortunately are so-called settlers or some we came from somewhere to live here mm -hmm. and so it's very common that people say like what's your heritage to each other which is a question that we wouldn't know to ask in Finland because everybody's the same yeah. you know like speaking in general of course um so it's really beautiful to see that and and the way they embraced my kids in the schools like we didn't even have any permits yet and they were like yeah come on everybody and the last problem they had was like visas or permits and stuff so they are really good at receiving new people and embracing everybody's uniqueness mm -hmm. that's wonderful to see that's beautiful it's really beautiful to see how you see all the positives that you have because with corona you could be mm. focusing on i can't travel or i can't do all those things but um just to see how you can be blessed in any kind of situation just by what perspective yeah. you take yes yeah i think like i guess since i have lived kind of like a chopped up life in that I've traveled and lived in different countries. I speak seven languages because I lived in those countries. I did study a lot of languages in high school too, but but I I moved to France and had zero friends. I had no reason to be there. And the exciting thing for me was to create a life out of nothing. And all of a sudden I had a circle of friends. I had my cafe. And I had my grocery store and this was my street and that's that area. And I love that park over there. And it, it became my home very quickly. Mm. And because I've lived this kind of realities in different environments, I also know that I will miss them because it won't last forever. 
you know, so I'm really present like a traveler is right when you travel somewhere, even for a week, you go like, wow, look at the air, the temperature, the humidity, the 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 flowers and the trees, how they are so different from where I was before. So you're really present in the present moment when you travel. Right. But also when you live as an expat in a country, I've learned that there's like a sweet nostalgia to or nostalgia, I don't know, mm-hmm. to all of the places I live. I had a really hard time in Norway, and now I miss it with my soul. The beauty of that country, the beauty of the buildings, the way they take care of things, mm-hmm. just ordinary, simple things. Mm-hmm. And now I like, I would give anything to be back. And when I go back, I'm crying at the beauty of the way they serve a coffee or something like really simple, mm-hmm. you know, or the way their trains look or, you know, <laughs> yeah. the tickets or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. So that's really interesting because you say you have this sense of adventure. I very much recognize that in myself as well. And that brought me like all over the world as well. And I'm curious to know, like right now, as you can travel or how do you, um work around that need for adventure how do you satisfy that differently um i think you know i've never been as fulfilled in my life as i am right now and i would never think i would be someone to say a thing like that i didn't look for fulfillment i didn't know there was such a thing as fulfillment mm. or feeling at home i don't know that I had that before. Um, I had the longing for adventure. I had the longing for change. My kids even, they're especially the youngest one. He's like, oh, you always want to go somewhere else. And then when you're there, you want to go somewhere else. Like <laughs> He can totally, you know, see that because he's lived in different countries and traveled lots with me and with us. So he has a different perspective, but I think that you want to look at where, where, what is it that I'm looking for in the adventure? Like, what is it that drives me? And it's mm-hmm. clear to me that when I was really restless, cause I was very restless, um, for change and variety. And I love variety and change also today. But back then when I was very restless, I wasn't home with who I am. I wasn't home with the trauma that I had gone through. I mm. I felt like the outer world was uh, triggering me, you mm-hmm. know? And so I, I rejected it. So I wanted something else, not this, anything but this, you know? So that was, was kind of like, like those birds that immigrate. Like I had the yearning to go for adventure, go somewhere unknown where I am a nobody and I don't know anyone. And I'm not someone who is super confident. Like I'm afraid when I land and I want, like, I'm not like, you know, backpacker who's not like, I'm afraid of being alone because of Mm. another trauma that I had in my childhood. Somebody broke into our home when I was eight and I was Mm. alone at home. So kind of like, paralyzed me in thinking the world is not safe if your home is not safe 
then nothing is safe. So I, I also have that aspect in me. So I'm not like this amazing adventurer, but my, my restlessness was bigger than my fear, right? So then that's why I would always want to travel. And right now, I feel that, I guess it's, maybe it's maturity or something, but I, I, I almost feel like I'm traveling right now, right here, because mm. I know it won't last forever. Like my youngest has one and a half year of high school left. And when he's done, he might choose to go to university or whatever mm -hmm. he chooses to do. Then all of a sudden I am super resourceful. I have nothing that would, you know, have me have this house or that car or like mm -hmm. nothing makes me and Jack, my current husband, <laughs> my new husband, um, like tied here. So in a way, you know, maybe also as a fact of being a mother, you can see change. Like the change is happening without me looking for it. Like I don't have to go to Thailand to experience change. Like the change is already here. And I don't know that I yearn so much for it anymore because it's, it is so powerful. The wind of change is here all the time. And that's why I'm so present. I'm loving whatever season it is. Like you would mm -hmm. think like winter here is so gorgeous because it's like real, you know, real winter, like <laughs> minus 20 and snow and like crazy. And that's so beautiful, right? And then comes summer and summer is hot and humid and intense. And I never knew I would need an air conditioning in the house, right? Mm. But we love it. So that kind of explains how the extremes go from one place. So there is a lot of variety. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, I don't need to run for it. And mm. yeah, so with COVID, I guess I do a lot of internal traveling. I read mm -hmm. a lot. I, um, you know, spiritually yeah. feel like I'm feeding my soul. Mm. So then I don't feel like I'm restless or I don't have the urge to reject my environment, mm. you know? Yeah. I love that. There were so many things you said that I loved, like the being at home. Uh, I, I very much recognize that in my own story as well, trying to find something in the outside, being driven for change, and in my story, it was very much like trying to find that really feeling at home and belonging mm -hmm. and where what I really love, as you say, too, now you're doing internal traveling. I think that's such a great, like that's actually the greatest travel of there is in life because we have this whole universe inside of us. And that's so interesting what you can uncover and what you can find within you that actually you can never find around you yeah uh, so that that was so so beautifully put mm -hmm. um so i'm curious to know what, what does that mean more specifically you travel internally if somebody's like well what does that mean what do you do to travel inside of yourself what i do is this i i notice where i am you know i know that i will long for this moment at another time like you know what i mean like when we mm -hmm. were in india 
remember you were with us when was it in March 2020 March 2020 yes and I had some really amazing moments of bliss really like just pure bliss by the Ganga River and I'm sure I've told this story before but Anna and, and myself we bought some malas and we wanted to bless them in the Ganga before we would leave so it was like maybe the final day and and we had our malas and it was sun was like afternoon so kind of soon gonna set so maybe it was 4 p.m and this golden light by the Ganga River was everywhere and we were like two six-year-old girls laughing and sparkling the water on our malas and that instant even though it was maybe it lasted for like I don't know a minute or something we we were in a hurry that moment is so powerful that it inspired me to create a meditation right when I came home and it's it's a moment that I revisit Mm. and so it's almost like a portal or or a moment of light that I didn't look for. I didn't do anything to, you know, I was just, you know, like a child, we were in a happy place. And that's obviously easy in, in India in a context like that because everything is taken care of. You just make sure your butt is on the yoga mat in the morning and then it's on the floor when lunch is served. And then mm-hmm. we do the mantra and everything's taken care of. So you can really... Um, go deep whereas at home maybe you have more responsibilities so not it's not so easy to just float you know mm-hmm. things will come oh the bill that needs to pay be paid or oh the dog like kind of things that bring you back to kind of to do mode so yeah. traveling internally internally for me is often it happens without me actually trying to make anything happen I can mm. have like an internal yearning for say Norway or or Italy, like think about a, a town by by the Mediterranean where you had a coffee once and you looked over and the, you could feel the wind. And, and it's somehow it's really deeply nourishing. And I don't know, there's like something about like maybe past moments. And this is not something I meditate or write about or do anything. They just like appear in my mind and I'm like, hmm. And so if this happens about the past, I know that it's going to happen about this moment too. Mm. So when I walk my dog and the sun sparkles on the snow and makes me squint because it's too strong and I can't even keep my eyes open when I keep walking, that's a moment of pure bliss Mm. that I think will somehow have an effect on me, the environment where, you know, prana comes in in many ways with pranayama, with breathing or even from your environment, the life force that pulls you forward, like your future is pulling you forward by every step. So being present in these ways, and usually I don't really talk about these things, you happen to ask, so (laughs) it's fun to share, and I hope it makes sense. It does. Um, What I also, what you just said is really interesting, like, you take the past as a collection of moments that then help you to also become more present now, mm-hmm. which is very empowering, I think, because often we have a tendency of taking the past as something that we want to change and that's actually on our mind very often. Mm-hmm. But how you see it, I love that 
you're just taking it as an inspiration of, I had a moment in the past that was really fulfilling, that felt really good. And I know that this moment right now is the same. So let me see that in this current moment for little things around me and let me project that into the future of seeing what that will bring or what I want to create in the Mm -hmm. future. Yeah, I think. Absolutely. And you know, I'm thinking also that these insights and these blissful moments or even not so blissful moments, just ordinary moments. Um, I, I suppose that my, my life has been so difficult. I lost a husband when I was 31 years old. I, I was dealing with death. Death means something so heavy that you don't want to be around it. You don't want to dwell in it. But mm. I had to because somebody, my husband didn't have any reason to die. From one moment to another, he was gone. I couldn't understand it. And this, of course, caused a ripple effect of depression and difficulties and, you know, just like crisis in mm-hmm. life. Watching my, like, my children try explaining a three-year-old what just happened out of nowhere. Like I was in no way prepared. Or my five-year-old, like me crushing his heart. Like I had to do that, Celine. Mm. And, and so I think that having gone through that and going through it because it's never done per se, it gives me a perspective where I understand, maybe that's why it's, it's easy to be so grateful, you know, like losing him at that age when I was still kind of learning how to be an adult myself, you know, Um, what sent me through some really deep, dark, transformational and I I don't wish it upon anybody Hmm. really but I think it gives me a perspective that informs um what is you know like I'm sure you heard me say this before Celine when I when I say that I love birthdays it's because it's it's a privilege to be here you know for me Hmm. like yeah I could have been the one who died, yet I got to stay and I can hug my kids. I can look them in the eyes and I can hug them. And I don't know what happens after we die. And I do think something happens. I do think some part of us survives. But imagine being a fluffy cloud. Like it's not the Mm. same as having this sacred vessel of a body and having this conversation with you and noticing the sunlight that makes my eyes squint so hard I can't see. It, it's like a sacred moment, you know? So I guess mm. with that contrast, um, that could be one of the reasons why I feel like I'm traveling here now fully with the vibe that is in me and around me right now, mm. whether it's sunny or cloudy, you know? And I, when it's cloudy or when when a darkness comes and it's heavy to exist, then I say, hmm, interesting. It's cloudy. And I know mm. it won't last forever, you know, because I've been through that hundreds and thousands of times, you know. Mm. So that maybe gives it a little bit of perspective. Yeah. For me. Thank you for, for sharing that. Mm. Um, it's so 
empowering to see how you take a very tragic and traumatic event in your life um, and you see the benefits that you got out of it. Yeah, you see I, how I that have empowered to. you. Yeah, because otherwise it will kill me too. And I don't want that for my kids. I don't mm. want them to, like, I really hope that I live long just because I want to, I don't want to, I don't want them, although it's more natural maybe to lose a parent at some point than, yeah. you know, the father that you, you know, built a family with and 100% rely on. And, you know, I, my, my only goal is not to die because, and especially back then, because it felt like, um, you know, if it was up to me, I maybe would have chosen to also go, you know, that's how heavy it was. But then I had these little teddy bears looking at me and I was like, okay, I better, you know, find a way to transform this. And it took me many years. We're coming 14 years now in March will be that I'm a widow. And now I can talk about it without crying. But have you and I had this conversation four years ago, mm-hmm. we would both be sobbing right now because you could still feel the pulsating pain and the wound that was like, you could feel it. Whereas now maybe time and tools and Jack and all of our students, like, you know, we have a a thriving yoga community and, and we lead hundreds of people through yoga experiences and teacher trainings. And we are the lead facilitators. But really what happens is that they teach me, I learn Mm. so much from my interactions with other vulnerable, beautiful, raw human beings. So. I love that. Yeah, mm. that's very, very beautiful. And what my experience, because I took your yoga teacher training, was that how you shared your story, just that vulnerability, also the emotions and everything, it gives other people permission to do the same. It also gives other permission to go through something hard and, and find it hard because it's, it's really traumatic but keep going and to then use that story to do, to do good, to help other people in their lives, to help other people. I really think your story is so inspiring to so many people. And I've seen, I've heard you tell your story several times and I see it in people. I see it in their eyes. You touch people's hearts and that is just so, so beautiful to see so thank you for doing that in the world yeah you know the sixth i think stage of grief is meaning when Mm. when you manage to see the meaning of it and now we're not talking only about death and stuff but Mm -hmm. any trauma will cause us to go through some grieving i think the lost part of ourselves right? The, the part of us that could have been something else. Like sometimes I was so angry and bitter. Like I was like, my thirties went straight down the toilet. Cause I was always crying. I was always a mess. You know, I wasn't pleasant to be around, mm. <laughs> you know, I lived in a country. I felt like I did not belong to, it was mm. not fun for the people around me. You know, certainly not fun for me. And 
And so the grieving, grieving of what could have been for all of us, all of us have been sad and scarred at some point, even if it's mm-hmm. less like, because my example is so dramatic. It's easy to think, well, I didn't lose a husband, so I don't have any uh, reason to actually be depressed or something. But yeah. I think it's not what happened to us, but but how we kind of find meaning in it. And if we allow yeah. ourselves to actually admit that it did hurt, because we have the coping mechanism, like childhood stories or little hurts from when we were young. And then we think, well, I should, you know, get on because I didn't have all this crazy trauma happening, but it mm. did hurt. And to understand that, to cover up those hurts, we adopt coping methods like traveling or mm-hmm. drugs or yes. alcohol or codependency or you name it. Right. And so to have the courage and the space to look at our own coping mechanisms and notice that they aren't really working anymore. Maybe they did when we were 18 or when we were eight, you know, but now we want something else. We want something more true, something Mm -hmm. more, more real. Like we don't want to be puppets of our surviving mechanisms. Right. And that's where therapy might be really helpful and environments where, you actually are loved and lifted for who you are, no matter what your story is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love that shift that you just described from being puppets, because we all kind of adopt these masks as we go through life. We all have childhood experiences that might be really small, that scarred us. Um, and going into vulnerability and kind of taking those things off mm-hmm. um, and I th- I think that's where this for me coming home lies in yeah. finding that home within you by just taking off the masks and traveling inward to see hey who is there and what happened and what, what are the pains and what are the gains and yeah what is what is all those things that that I got to live in life that brought me here yeah um, and on the topic of vulnerability, if somebody wants to say, start working on their story a little more, maybe talk about things that were difficult for them, even if they think they're quote unquote, not difficult, because in comparison to like your life story, who lost a husband at a very young age with two little children, in comparison, it's like nothing. How do they start doing that? How does somebody get into vulnerability? I love that question. It makes me think about being um, like almost like cultivating something new, like a new role with yourself. And I often Mm. say this in yoga too, like, could you become your own best friend? Right? So if I am my own best friend, that means I wouldn't talk in a certain way because if I was another person I wouldn't hang out with me anymore if I were to say well what what happened to you doesn't really matter it's not such a big deal like can Mm -hmm. you imagine me belittling you maybe you wouldn't have me on your podcast if I did that (laughs) right yeah 
or you wouldn't feel like you would want to open up to me if I had that kind of attitude. So mm-hmm. maybe like, first of all, like making an oath or a little ceremony, like even if you feel silly doing a ceremony, you know, with mm-hmm. quotes, I think there's so much power in it where you would light a candle and say, from this day on, I will learn how to hold a space for myself, mm-hmm. how to become my own best friend. So when I walk in the world and somebody says something and that hurts, I say, ouch. And then I speak with my best friend. You know what? When I talk to so-and-so, I noticed that it hurt. I noticed ouch inside my heart. I wonder what mm. that is, you know? And how come that word, like instead of making it about them, which is also fun, but it's not helpful, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Then look at how it affects me and my heart and my mood and my thinking. And so we could call it inquiry, right? We could call it becoming your own best friend. We could call it holding the space for ourselves. And here's where I was so lucky to find a therapist. The day after my husband passed, one of my best friends in the universe texted me and said like, here's this therapist. She lives like 20 minutes from you where I lived in Norway out of like, I had, this is all miracles happening. Someone else pulling some strings. And I found the most gorgeous therapist on this planet. And I went for five years and she taught me how to hold the space for myself. She taught me how to not, not judge me or assume that I should, you know, like teenagers are like that. I see my teenage boys more or less. Sometimes you can see when, especially when they were younger, like, oh, this one is so-and-so and I'm like this, and this is good. And this mm. is bad, like really quick to kind of, And that's when we start to learn how to place ourselves into the world, right? Yeah. So it's an important process and they take distance from their parents because they need to find themselves. And it's also super important because we do want them to find their own personality and not Mm -hmm. just walk in where I tell them what they are or should be. Like Mm. so important. So when we now have a little bit more space than a teenager, we are a little bit more mature we can start to say, oh, when I hear this, I feel that. Or when this, when it's like five days of cloudy weather, I notice that it has an effect on me. Simple mm. as that. And just being kind instead of whipping a tired horse, you know? Yeah. Wow. There's so, mm. so many things in here. So, mm-hmm. so I think what you're saying is really developing an awareness of yourself. And I love that idea of being your own best friend Mm. because how we often speak to ourselves is very negative. We put ourselves down, having that awareness. And I think also developing kind of an awareness of emotions because what that helped me a lot too. I didn't have a very big range of describing how I felt. Mm -hmm. Um, It was kind of like good or bad and just kind of developing more of an awareness what am I feeling? What does that make me feel? What is the name of that feeling? Yeah. Having something to actually call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is something you beautifully described. Yeah, because and... I think as children, teenagers are children, <laughs> right? <laughs> By law, they are. Um, 
we we learn how to like label things real fast but yeah. then we we could like evolve that a little bit now that we are a little bit more free right as adults and those systems worked when we were teenagers but they don't work now if we mm. want to live our fullest life yeah right the coping yeah, I love that. Mm. yeah what the image that came to my mind was like we learn how to box yeah. people and box things to make sense of the world and make sense of ourselves and have that identity of um, and I loved how at the first question you said this is a huge question and it was like you were refusing to put yourself into one box because you are not and mm. you accept that that of yourself and it's like maybe stepping into the process of vulnerability is really opening that box mm -hmm. yeah. and that can be I think that box can be really big it can be like hundreds of boxes that we accumulated throughout our lives and we're kind of trying to push things away to get to that mm -hmm. core the light I think the light the core is the light yeah that's what we kind of all want yeah um and the box is keeping us from accessing that light yeah and it can be scary if we're not used to it you know and I want to point out that I'm learning every day still like Jack my relationship with Jack who is my husband since five years we've been together I think or no seven he said the other day I have no idea of time <laughs> so anyways many years um and we have our business together and we do everything together, we live together, we travel together, everything. And he's very different from me. He's an engineer, whereas I'm a, more an artist type of person. Um, and so, of course, everything we do, we have a totally different expectations for mm. when we get up in the morning, what should happen next. Like, for me, I don't know, whereas he has a long to-do list and he's excited about it. If I had a long to-do list, I would... my need for variety and adventure would be like killed and I would not thrive. Mm. So that's one example. But also what he teaches me is that, you know, it's okay to be who I am. Like he, mm. he drives the business in his way, which is like, we would not be in business if it wasn't for him. So there's a lot of gifts in that. And my first husband also was an entrepreneur. So I always admired entrepreneurs because I thought that's so creative, you know, like just whipping paint on a canvas is also creative, but different kind of creative, like creative in a way of like entrepreneurship means you're building like a spaceship that benefits everyone. Art does too. So I'm not comparing these by mm. any means, but I was just so amazed because I, I did not have that kind of drive I don't have I didn't have I don't think I still do have that kind of creative uh, pulls in me but what I'm learning from Jack is that wherever I think that I should be like faster at typing or whatever like uh, whatever mistake I might make then I would beat myself up because I think like oh I'm not good at this like hmm. I should at least know how to type for example right and so, and he's like looking at me and said like, why would you have to know how to type? And he's the Mr. Entrepreneur. So you would imagine he would have like, mm. you need to know your Excel sheets, baby. 
And I'm like, I hate Excel sheets. I understand that they are valuable. Like I like when somebody else has made them. I can see things and it makes things clear, but mm. it's not like my first need of communication or expressing anything. <laughs> so, mm. so I'm learning from him also that um, my gifts are needed and, and it's okay that I don't type fast. It's okay that I don't even know what great example to make right now, but it's really liberating to to have that. Mm. And why I'm sharing this is that I want to say that I'm always learning. Like I'm always yeah. learning who I really am because I don't know. I'm a mystery to me mm. and you are too. And that's what it's also, it's exciting to be, you know, a psychonaut who travels inwards. And so it's like, wow. So it's okay that I don't know everything or I don't know how to do this mm. I'm still allowed to you know express myself and and find ways to add value to the world around me mm. you know mm -hmm. yeah it's so beautiful of seeing life just as a process process of continuous learning yeah which is a lesson I learned as well because um, I feel like we grow up in a concept of you should learn first, then you apply it in the world and kind of having a job. Yeah. Um, and you go through that and that's when kind of you apply what you learned. Yeah. And in my life, I was trying to find, to implement what I learned or my place. And it was really liberating also to accept my own story, to see that it's just learning all the time. Yeah. And whatever you do, you learn. And I love how you see your differences teaching you so much yeah. because I guess in a relationship you could also kind of um, criticize that or mm -hmm. yeah. not being okay with it because differences can create friction as, oh, sure. as well. Yeah. But I do, as you say, that really creates a different perspective on life and helps us set any experience into perspective, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. So if we kind of, if you would look back um, on your life journey, you've shared with us a very dramatic experience that happened a little bit of the traveling you did before and how you went through that trauma. Um, if you visualize that as kind of a line of, of, of mountains um, and probably that traumatic experience being the peak um, how would you def describe that peak now now that you see where you are in life and where you were in life before and all that you learned through it so definitely the first word that comes to my mind is a sacred moment you know mm. where um everything that I thought that I knew or had was crushed into a million pieces. We were also in between homes because we were going to move from Norway back to Italy. So my husband mm -hmm. died on his way to Italy and we had sold a house in Norway and had not yet moved in in Milan. And I was with two small kids like this about to travel to Italy when everything I knew did not exist anymore. Um, so definitely it was a sacred moment and and what kind of like like 
happened after that was a series of miraculous insight you know like mm. imagine standing in your own husband's funeral he had two funerals one in Italy and one in Norway the first one in Italy I did not bring the kids to it was more like a memorial it was mm -hmm. in the church of the hospital in in Italy and I was sitting in front row and I was just crying I could not stop crying but I could follow everything anyway I was just sitting there Tear, tears were falling down and then I see this Italian priest like you know he's got his thing together he knows exactly how the things are and so he yells at everyone like you know what Jesus died and went to heaven now Jens died what do you think he did he went to heaven and I was like holy shit you know <laughs> this major aha moment like my whole everything was pulsating with pain I was in deepest craziest confusion you can possibly imagine mm. and so alive mm. and so I don't even know how to describe it and I'm going like okay I guess it makes sense then people die then they go to heaven I get it now and that was so soothing for me because I could not you know I had seen his body and it was lifeless so I understood he's no longer there he's not home anymore like we talked about earlier the spirit or the soul of that person was gone and so the next thing I know the priest tells me this he's in heaven I'm like okay cool I can live with that you know like it doesn't solve all my problems but at least he's it's not like you it's like doesn't make any sense to cease to exist doesn't make any sense to me when you know in a situation like that so that was a sacred moment and I for many years I would be really mad and I would not frame it in such words because I would be so angry why would it have to cost his life for me to have a sacred moment um, you know I yeah. I would have rather not had a sacred moment <laughs> You know, but when I found peace and I framed it this way, I said, since I cannot have him back and there's nothing I can do about it, I really quickly kind of said then, so since I cannot have anything reversed, I'm left with a sacred moment that totally revolutionized my place in the world, my... Mm my understanding of the world and my possibilities in the world and of course afterwards I had many years of depression too a little bit of ups and downs but more downs than up and I think you know you can sum it up and you'll hear me say this in our trainings that everything is training so that you can serve right hmm. and so even today if something crazy would happen and I, I luckily don't live in the fear of that anymore. But if something crazy was to happen or when I see my beloved students who are my friends and almost people that I really, really care about genuinely, it's not a business for me in that way. When I see them go through things, I really honor them and I really love them because they are going 
through a transformation. You know, as a mother, I would, we would never want our kids to go through terrible things. And I would overcompensate in every possible way that I could, but we want to save our kids from the harshness of life. But then also I had to stop myself a little bit and say, but that's what kind of molds us. It molds yes. our personalities to have difficulties, right? And so we need to find some kind of, you know, attitude with understanding and letting each other go through our difficulties while we mm -hmm. love on them with every cell in our body and support them tr versus trying to fix them or tell them what to do. Just be in it with someone. And this is what changed my life. When somebody had the balls to look me in the eyes, when I was in my worst depression, crazy tantrums, and somebody could still see me and hold a space for me, then I knew there's life, there's light <laughs> that, that I am yearning to go to. So my, if my husband's passing was the peak, definitely it has made me humble and e it's easy for me to love you know without conditions mm -hmm. because I know that I'm fortunate that I can that it, it can be my choice that I, I'm not a victim it doesn't define me you know and another kind of peak thing that I have is when I was a child, my mother was a single mom and my father was an alcoholic. My mother, when I was a baby, managed to divorce him, luckily. But I know that there was a lot of trauma. And my brother, who's older than me, he can remember things that I don't. Mm. And, and so I grew up with a mom who was trying to, her best to keep us, you know, under a roof and fed. Mm -hmm. but she worked in a restaurant. So that means there was never an adult around. So I don't know yeah. what I wore when I went to school in the morning. If I went to PJs, if I have my backpack, I have no memories. I know that I made tea for breakfast and you know, the kind of like knekebred, the cracker bread. Yeah. I would dip it in the warm tea and eat it. I remember that, but I have no idea of like details from my first four years of school. And I was ostracized. I was bullied. I was told, oh, not that I was told, but as a child, I interpret the world around me that I am wrong. Everything I do is wrong. I'm not part of the group. And my teacher got mad at me. My mom wasn't really able to be there for me. She loved me and loves me with everything she is. And I love her too. But in those years, she didn't have the capability of being there for me. And so that maybe reflects also when I talked about Jack and entrepreneurship, like in those situations, these triggers can come easily up. Like, I don't know what I'm doing because I feel like that six-year-old Hannah who doesn't know how to do anything and is always kind of like spanked on and felt like a failure to my mother who, mm. who had a really easy time in those years because she had a family that would take care of her. So she was, I felt like I was compared to her and she excelled and I didn't. So I was also a disappointment, but I wasn't taking care. I wasn't fed. I wasn't 
floated in a way that I think child should or, you know, would benefit from. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not intentionally, but that was the context. And so this today means for me that when I, when I first took my yoga teacher training, I thought that intellectually there's something wrong with me because I could not for the life of me memorize the sequence. And for years after, when I went to teach a yoga class, you'd be sure that I would bring, bring the card that had all the poses listed on it. Because if I get nervous, I, that's where the place of confusion of a six-year-old that I kind of go back to. So when I teach people in our group and they have a hard time believing that they can, you know, they say like, Hanna, yesterday I was, was on a call with our 200-hour yoga teacher training group. And they're like, you are so confident. All this comes so easy to you. And I'm like, yeah, right, girl. Like if you knew mm-hmm. when I took my mm-hmm. yoga teacher training, I was five seconds away from walking up to my teacher and saying, I don't have what it takes to teach yoga because intellectually, I think there's something wrong with me. And this is something that Jack has been so helpful with me. He's, he's like with tears in his eyes ever since he was saying like, Hannah, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, what are you saying? And he's held my hand when I took, he was the one I taught my first yoga uh, class to in his brother's bedroom, you know, tiny as this table kind of. And I was like so afraid and so shy, I was sweating. And I was like whispering the yoga, but halfway lift, exhale, fold, inhale, reach up. The whole <laughs> sequence like that, so terrified. And then I saw he was sweating because it, it's a demanding practice. I was like, holy shit, this is working. I can't believe it, you know? So this is another mountain that I've climbed of believing that I don't belong and that there's deeply something wrong with me because that's how we interpret as children. If your parents got divorced when you were a child, you'll find that you blame yourself or my oldest Mm -hmm. thought, he could have saved his father when he was five in a different country. He thought he should have saved his father wow so imagine how we are as children that's just the way we are wired as human beings and it's been really helpful for me when I when somebody says like oh but you're such a leader and I'm like yeah I actually did not wake up like this I didn't think I had what it takes and now I feel so free and I feel so fulfilled because I I don't think that way about myself anymore. I don't think I'm a rock star, but I allow myself to try. Even if I might suck, I'll still try, right? Yeah. A lot of learning and unlearning. And we Mm -hmm. always hear these things like conceptually. But for me, that means that I'm not stupid. I used to think that I am stupid Mm -hmm. and that I don't have what it takes. And if I keep saying these things, we come back to being my own best friend. If that's the environment that is inside of me, it's hard to succeed. It's hard to, you know, feel fulfilled because I don't let myself. So just the first step also here is to allow for yourself to be something else than what you thought. Like be open and curious. Like if I was not stupid, then who would I be? 
And I've shared this a million times, but maybe this was one of the most transformational moments for me when Jack said this, when I, I had just met him, he said, I wouldn't be the person I am today if it wasn't for my first yoga teacher training. And I found that so intriguing. And I was like, like, <laughs> okay, so who would I be if I allowed myself? And I'm not saying this to enroll anybody. Everybody who's joining these trainings is because they have an inner, inner pull. And there's many ways to find, you know, nourishment for this pull. But what yoga teacher trainings do, I think, is that they give you an opportunity to look at like, okay, so this happened and what else is there? Mm. You know, like I thought this was it and what else is there inside of me? You know, I love that. Mm. And I think this example illustrates so well how important it is for us to share the story mm. and not just see, because we have a tendency of seeing successful people as just being successful, but there is a whole story behind it. Yeah. And um, it's for you to share that you felt stupid or you felt like you couldn't do it. It gives other people permission when they're in that stage to belief that they can break through that too yeah they can try like we can at yeah. least like take that because oftentimes we give up before we even try and th yes. this comes from someone who just stepped off the stage with tony robbins last week we were teaching mm -hmm. in front of 2200 people and when jack and my eyes met when the lights were going you know like in a disco <laughs> like boom boom like this and we were just laughing because it was <laughs> so amazing to say look we made it you know yeah just symbolically for us yeah it was such a celebration yeah i think that is really beautiful because it just helps us to see life more as a a journey yeah and we all have these beliefs that we pick up through childhood i loved what you said about unlearning yeah. so it's like a process of learning what serves us learning um who we are below the masks the boxes and unlearning what doesn't serve us yeah and what what we kind of acquired through yeah other people are just learning because as children we try to make sense of the world and we all adopt such beliefs yeah. that actually don't serve us yeah we don't ever question it either yeah it's like yeah. have you seen that picture where they tie a horse to a plastic chair and the horse could just walk away because the chair is so light, but it stays. And that's mm. how we are with our own ideas about ourselves too. Oftentimes yeah. I think like, oh, but I'm, I'm not a good listener or I'm not a good whatever. Like all these ideas we have about ourselves, I don't think they are true. They are true if you believe them and you behave yes. according to them. Yeah. But you could also question them and say, what else could I be if not just this? What else is possible? Mm. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think that's a question we could all write on a board. Yeah. What else is possible yeah. or what else could I be? Yeah. And it also really illustrates the power of the words I am and how we label ourselves and create our own reality through the words we use. Yeah. Um, that's so powerful. I could talk to you for yeah. hours, Hannah. <laughs> this has been a really, really interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, but I just want to 
finish off with a few questions um, because this podcast is called Happy Habits. So if you could give people one happy habit, one thing that you think people could help people and could kind of, through helping people, make the world a little bit of a better place, what would that be? That's a tough one because I'm a person who loves variety. So Mm -hmm. I probably won't tell you that you have to meditate every morning for 10 minutes in, you know, cross of leg position. Um, Although if it nourishes you, you should definitely do it. Mm. Um, Healthy habit for me definitely is nurturing my spirituality, my soul and Mm. asking myself what it is that it needs. So maybe it is meditation or maybe it is talking with Celine. Maybe it is reading or, you know, looking at the signs that come up in my life, reading about things that nourish you. Hmm. And, and like going away from the like have to and must mentality, like really like today I'm feeling tired Either you can pump up because you want to, or you can take it easy because you want to. Like, instead of being just like an autopilot on an autopilot. Yeah. Um, that would be for me the healthiest habit, habit I can think of is to be in sync with myself and be kind hmm. and, and create a true relationship, like real things, real conversations you know Mm -hmm. yeah that's i think very beautiful and kind of sums up all different practices you could do to connect yourself and really puts the importance on looking at what do you need yeah and staying with people that lift you up that inspire you oftentimes when i first started on this yoga path i felt kind of lonely like i didn't have yoga friends Mm. you know and then Instead of making the world wrong, then I need to create a following. So I started teaching yoga and all of a sudden I was with people who wanted to do yoga with me. You know, I didn't have it handed to me. I had to create it myself. And today I feel that I'm so rich emotionally because of all the people that are in my life, the community that like people could Mm -hmm. call work, but for me, it's not work. Where my soul thrives so that's a really important habit to pay attention who you spend your time with Mm, and beautiful yeah doesn't mean you want to be mean or anything but just be mindful about people who who somehow feel like it's an interesting exchange you Mm. know in conversations Mm. and activities Awesome. Mm -hmm. Are there any thoughts that are still on your mind kind of you would want to share? Yeah. I think that, I don't know if it's hallucination, but I think that loneliness is really rampant right now, of course, with the lockdowns. But even before the lockdowns, I think with social media, we, we somehow 
pulls us apart versus bringing together. Yeah. And if anyone who's listening is feeling lonely or like semi-depressed, I just want to say that it won't always be that way. That there, there is so much light out there. You know, dare to to find activities that nourish your soul. For me, it started with art. When my husband had passed and I lived in that town where I didn't feel really home, I went to the art museum and I looked at the art pieces and I would read about the, the artist. And then I was blown away when I looked at something and I could feel something when I looked at somebody's painting or a sculpture and I was blown away. I was like, how is this possible? Somebody made something and I understand I wanted to know who it was so that I could put the, the piece of art in some kind of context. I'm, and I'm not saying like study, you know, art history, just quick glance. Often there's like a little leaflet that comes when you go to see something. Mm. And I felt like that was so amazing. I felt so surprised and less alone in the world. And I wanted to be that consumer of that piece of art and receive, you know, somebody put their whole life into creating like a weird sculpture. Sculpture. Mm. So I wanted to be the person who caught the, the piece of art and say, wow, look at that. And so that was nourishing for me. That's how it all, spirituality, all started for me. I was, are we all connected somehow? And even if I got a different experience than what the artist actually intended, I still had an experience. So that's magical. And then I think, so how can I contribute like to this massive humanity that is full of information and art and books and you name it? How can I be of service? You know, what can I do in order to, you know, I, I can't just consume, I felt like. And so now I feel like the way I contribute is talking with you, talking with people in our training, like creating real soulful connections and mm. and like looking and gazing at life with incredulous eyes and saying, can you believe it, Celine? You and I met in India and now we're having this conversation and you are making this happen. People are listening. They will have some insights all because you chose to make this happen. You know, that, that's amazing. Like really the ripple effects, we will never even know. And that's not even the purpose of this, mm-hmm. I suppose. But that's another thing I want to say. If anyone should feel lonely, connect emotionally with like-minded people with whatever you know music people a lot of people have those emotions with music you know and i think it may may make you feel less alone it's not always about finding the perfect partner and the perfect community to live in but really it's like it there is a choice we have and sometimes you know like toxic positive psychology is not my cup of tea i don't like that but I do think that we can make miracles for ourselves if we, if we want. So, wow, yeah, that was a beautiful way to finish. <laughs> and I love that idea of kind of like 
it's like downloading energy not only from people because we always feel like we need people and we need to be present with people but from things seeing the people behind it and just the interconnectedness of things and people and the world and yeah and feeling connected through that yeah that's such a beautiful picture it is it is yeah thank <laughs> you so much for all that you have shared and all your wisdom and your inspiration so in case somebody would like to take a yoga teacher training with you guys which i highly recommend how could they do that uh you can find us on happyjackyoga.com maybe you can you have some show notes where you can put our insta mm-hmm. handle and website so happy yes. jack yoga happy jack is my husband <laughs> so we chose to go by his name and so that's our website also reach out to myself and celine they're happy to share more any questions yes. we do short trainings long trainings um all of it online and as soon as we can travel we will again start traveling we'll go to peru and mexico and india and hopefully finland so awesome that would be lovely. yeah we have to do a we have to do a follow-up of this conversation yeah. because there's a lot more topics we sure. can talk about i'm sure i'd love to <laughs> thank you so much for your time hannah thank you and i wish you a beautiful rest of your day in canada thank you so much bless thank you. you thank you thank you so much for joining today's conversation i really hope that you could take as much out of this as I did. I loved all the wisdom that was in here, all this inspiring moments. And I would love to hear your thoughts. Then you can contact me on Instagram or on Facebook. And if you would like to join me for a retreat, because we can't do retreats in person at the moment, we decided to move them online. So at the end of February, we're doing a one week home office retreat designed to really work with your home office hours. So there's going to be a session in the morning and then the evening. And the aim of those retreats is to really help you boost your immune system and to help you take charge of your health and happiness, which I think in these special times is such an important thing. And also having a little bit of a community, people who want to join that journey at the same time as you. So if you're interested in that, I'll put the link below and it will be an honor and really beautiful to see you there and to practice together. And I wish you a beautiful day ahead. Talk to you next time.